season two, episode four. It is for anime. Solar Reprise, version two. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of mm, Manga, the podcast about getting more people into more manga. Incidentally, as you may have guessed from the title, this episode isn't about manga at all, as this month I focused on manga's seemingly more popular younger sibling, anime. Before we get into it, a couple housekeeping matters slash points of information. Last season, I had some friends on the cast because I don't really watch anime like that, and different perspectives are invaluable when it comes to any medium. Plus, I really, I really fuck with them, and the more the merrier. Sadly, I won't be having them on this episode, as again, you probably guessed from the title, Soul Overprice. Reason being, we had fun and everything, but back then, a lot was going on. I was just moving in with my then girlfriend, and for one reason or the other, I didn't put in as much effort as I could have into quality assurance. I definitely had fun, but I really think I did them a disservice attaching their names to some mishmash of a ramble. Those guys are some of the coolest people I know, and I really wanted to solidly improve the quality of the cast before getting anyone else involved in my ramblings. Anna, Asha, Adley, Ashina, yes, all A names. Thanks again for being on the cast. Shout out Stevan and Daniel as well for being there and bringing vibes, always a pleasure. And a huge, 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 huge shout out to Catastrophe Cat for letting us use their house as the location. This was during peak COVID and everything, so I know having a bunch of folks in your house to make a podcast of all things could not have been ideal. But you supported the homie when all he had to offer was vibes and pizza. Many, many thanks, and I hope to have you all back one day. All that being said, I'm still just a guy recording on his phone at his house, currently on my rooftop. (laughs) So if you hear stuff like people, animals or vehicles that's just my environment give thanks for hearing and give thanks for the world around me that's housekeeping now some points of information firstly i've come to understand that when it comes to anime there are four main release formats you have theater releases which are usually movies tv releases which are usually series Original video animations, or OVA for short, which are either movies or series made specifically for home video releases, like DVD, Blu-ray, etc. And original net animations, ONAs, which are either movies or series released directly onto the internet. Of course, here in the West, I think a lot of us just call everything anime, or at least nobody's ever asked me if I've watched such and such OVA or ONA. Second point. Average length of any series mentioned is 23 minutes, unless otherwise stated. Lastly, if you're completely new to anime and don't know where to find stuff, all the series mentioned are on 9anime, zoro.to, or you can ask a weeb friend. You probably have one or two, and they would probably like to share if you're interested. Like, come on. You can also try for the movies on this site, but I personally recommend torrenting them. I'm generally an advocate for supporting creators, you know, giving them money (laughs) where you can. But some of this stuff just isn't on streaming services. And if we're being really, really real here, we can probably just chalk up any losses 
quote unquote to Japan paying for their war, war crimes. Love and peace. <laughs> love and peace. Love and peace. Love and peace. All right, with that out of the way, let's get into it. This episode's format is different from the usual list of stuff consumed this month, then stuff consumed before that. This time it's all stuff watched this month, but split into series and then movies. Also, the order isn't in any sort of ranking, it's just the order I happen to watch them in. Again, I haven't really done too much anime. <laughs> Said that like it's a drug. <laughs> and I already mentioned my fave older watches in season 1's anime solo reprise. Fairly certain that if I went into that format again, it would pretty much be the same list, except most of what I watched that month would move into this month's older top 5 or something like that. I also didn't want to have to try and balance between series and movies for a top 5 list. Or do any type of ranking, to be honest. Plus, seeing as I haven't watched all that much anime, I feel like my perception's bound to be changing rapidly at this point. When I add more to the stack, I'll probably make another list, but for now, you can check out that ramble or read the write-up if you're interested. Okay, so series. Up first was Gunsmith Cats. 1995 OVA. Three episodes, 30 minutes each. Pick this up just for the laughs because I liked the name and wanted to see if it had any relevance to the plot. Plus, I'd always seen some 90s anime lo-fi type beats, gifs, and those always made it seem cool. Only three episodes, 90 minutes total, and if there was going to be some predictably gratuitous fan service, then that seemed a fair and tolerable length. It's not bad pretty enjoyable even if you don't mind or just want to see some pulp as analyst user Wilza put it girls plus cars plus guns equals fun personally though I prefer my media you know to look good be enjoyable and also be filling in some way but I pretty much knew what I was going into and again 90 minutes total not a bad appetizer for a whole month of anime Spoiler alert, the only relevance the title had to the plot was the main characters owning a store with the same name. A gun store. I don't know what I expected. Next I watched Riding Bean, 1989 OVA, 45 minutes, and Bean Bandit, 2021 OVA, 8 minutes. The 1989 Riding Bean is actually the parent of Gunsmith Cats. That I just mentioned, and the 2021 Bean Bandit is supposed to be a Kickstarter for a new anime, if I'm understanding my Google search results correctly. The MC of Gunsmith Cats, Rally Vincent, is the partner of the MC here, Bean Bandit. Mostly watched this for the Gunsmith Cats relation and the fact that there was less than an hour total length between the two. Also, the name again, like. It had a strange pull on me because I just still can't fathom that naming sense. Bean Bandit. Riding Bean. I needed to actually see what was up. Uh, unfortunately, I can't say there's much worth mentioning. The MC is supposed to be a badass courier that has a cool-ass car and drives anywhere anyhow but with basically one episode and an advertisement, neither of which were spectacular in any fashion. I couldn't find myself picking up anything they were putting down. My only real comments are, 
cool car, I guess. The main character's chin is insane. Like, you need to Google this guy, Bean Bandit, or Bean, or whatever. His chin is insane. Like, just Google the guy. And it was nice to see Rally again, but in a different style. I guess. I encourage everyone to evaluate stuff for themselves, but you can probably let that one pass you. Up next, Digital Juice. 2002 OVA, 6 episodes, 3 minutes each. Very cool anthology, no real relation between each episode besides an effort being made to transport you to a different, usually high fantasy world. Not too much to say, barring going into each of the six shorts, but ain't nobody got time for that for real. Plus they're mad short, like not even 20 minutes total length, so I feel like I literally can't start speaking on any of them without just spoiling it entirely. I will say that I definitely enjoyed all of them though, like a 7 on average if I was pressed for a score. Really diverse animation styles throughout, and at least for me, it was a pretty decent shakeup of my preconceptions as to what anime, meaning Japanese animation, looks like. Highly recommend if you're bored of the same old, same old and want a quick shakeup. On that note, this was one of three cool looking unrelated anthologies I wanted to watch this month. Sweat Punch and Short Peace are the other two, that's short P E A C E. If anyone can find them, please, please send them my way. Next. Along came Sonny Boy. 2021 TV series, 12 episodes. Wasn't expecting much going into this. If anything, I was expecting some Lord of the Flies, kids slowly going insane and picking each other off type beat. But I was so off the mark, and in the best ways. The gist of the story here is that a high school has drifted into another dimension, and at the same time, some of the kids start developing powers. With that setup, I don't think you can blame me for thinking this was gonna be another pseudo death game type beat. Plus the title, Sonny Boy, it literally doesn't give anything away about the show. But as I said, it went in a completely different direction. For the most part, students are actually working together to try and get home, albeit in their little factions, each having their own ideas about how they should go about this. Their situation was anything but normal though, and stuff really just got weirder and weirder. But keeping the kids actually behaving like normal kids for the most part was a pretty good choice. It was way easier to relate and empathize with stuff, like a class spat leading to people being isolated, or god complex student council members. Rather than dudes killing each other over who gets the best part of a deserted island, or something like that, you know? it's like. Come on. On that note, the cast was great, like pretty brilliant actually. Loved all the dialogue, pretty much all the dialogue. And despite the heavy sci-fi setup, it was more slice of life, leaning a bit into psychological. Kids being kids, they're gonna have issues, you know? Put them in a different dimension, give them powers, kids are still gonna have issues. I think the main thing, was trying to find the place where you belong and the journey to get there. But honestly, there was so much going on, so much cool social and existential commentary before and after that became clear. It was phenomenal. And it's all wrapped up in some of the most dope visual direction I've ever seen in anime. Definitely highly recommend. 
honestly feel like I must have missed when it was buzzing because it's just so good. It's just so good in every direction I can think of. Like my last ditch attempt at selling it, because I don't think it, I mean, <laughs> my last ditch attempt at selling it would be to say it's like a cross of the Magic School Bus and Doctor Who. I really think watching it as early as I did in the month was a big driving force for me to actually try and watch a bunch of stuff because you know anime is it's difficult it takes time it's just like ah oh my gosh anime and you think you know you're seeing all the same things all the time this really was just like whoa you ain't seen nothing yet bro just let's try super thankful super thankful and next was bus gamer yeah, I actually watched this in between episodes of Sonny Boy to try and stretch that watch. Man. Anyways, 2008 TV series, three episodes. Series about death games are about a dime a dozen, but usually an okay time. You know what you're getting, and sometimes they can actually be a really good, and, and if not, what's another gratuitous chainsaw massacre? Like, you've seen it, and... Chainsaw Massacre hits for a reason. Not really with me though, but I think you get what I'm saying. Anyways, the story, as with most death games, is pretty simple. Different corporations slash businesses hire teams of three strangers to steal and protect each other's data for huge sums of money, as opposed to just getting a safe or investing in tech or something. Who knows why rich people enjoying with the lives of the poor is in any case, outside the games, I like the plot point of teams made of strangers as it usually makes it more interesting to see how they pull stuff off. Just three episodes, not that good in any sense, plainly speaking. Very abrupt ending as it's based on a cancelled manga, so that should tell you. I will say it did have a few cool lines though, and save those for future use. Probably won't get that opportunity, but they were, they were cool and I was just like, yo. Screenshot that. Screenshot that. In any case, I wasn't expecting that much going in anyways. The name just intrigued me. I don't even know how I chanced into this. Like, I just saw the name and was just like, are they playing games on a bus? In transit? But what's going on? But no, they just play the games wherever. Very sick OP. And the ending though, very sick. Very sick OP and ED. I'll give them that and yeah it wasn't great but as Hanma Yujiro said in Baki Son of Ogre if you only consume the good your body will become vulnerable you have to take the good and the bad in their share to become stronger or some weird thing an anime person would say next the Tatami Galaxy series so 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 good so good so good and without powers or anything really just just pure brilliance i don't even know what else to say and to be honest after watching sunny boy i thought i'd be lucky to see another series even half as good but i was thankfully blessed with another masterpiece and i'm so grateful the tatami galaxy series tatami like tatami mat not sure you know it does like tatami mats the tatami galaxy series is is actually three different series and a movie not really clearly related in plot but more so the characters and themes with each series showing these off in their own way all thankfully and wonderfully brilliant 
but four items is a lot to squeeze in without turning a ramble into a lecture, so I'll try to speak on the general first, then brush on the differences of each. At its core, Tatami Galaxy is a romantic comedy that we never truly get to see the fruit of, as the MC's ceaseless cyclical efforts are barely enough to start up a conversation with a woman. Teardrops. Our MC is a freshman college student hoping to have a rose-colored college life as he's wasted his high school years. And to that end, he tries to join a club for their social circle and hopefully even find a girlfriend. Sadly for him, but pivotal to the plot, he fails miserably at finding the ever-elusive ideal girl and even worse, finds himself with only one so-called friend he could call close after two years. Another common thing were the absolutely stunning visuals which were so beautifully dynamic in so many ways it doesn't even make sense to start listing. I think this worked really well with the anthological feel the series gives off as a whole and even within each individual part. Like, the visual direction was almost too perfect man, like, I know some folks don't like slice of life stuff but just look at it man, it's beautiful like this bird that's just here. Salute bird. By the way, having watched all of them, I'd say you don't have to watch any particular one to watch any of the others or in any particular order. I just read the summaries and decided to watch it in the order I'm about to talk about. And yes, I'd recommend that order but it's not any strict thing. So first I watched Tatami Galaxy, 2010 TV series 11 episodes. I'd say this is the definitive main branch, but again, not something I'd say you have to have to watch before the others. Here we follow our MC as he thinks back on his past two years of college. Unsatisfying, living alone, and with only one so-called friend who he blames for being the cause of his failure to grasp a rose-colored college life. I really like the gimmick of the storytelling, where basically every episode, he would decide he's going to join some club for their social circle. Find out he didn't like the club's activities for some reason or the other, meet that same one friend, then end up wasting time for two years. This makes it so that at the end of pretty much every episode, he finds himself getting in some dire social situation that makes getting friends, not to mention a girlfriend, virtually impossible. He curses his fate and wishes he joined a different club because then everything would be different and everything would be awesome. Most of all, he wouldn't meet that one guy and he would definitely get a girlfriend. Then the next episode his college life starts all over again and he chooses a different club. Personally, I really love Strange Loops and I just couldn't believe how funny it was to watch the story progress even within said loop and it's all brilliantly wrapped up and I have to say the second to last episode is some of the greatest episodes of anything I've ever had the pleasure of watching. And yes, it wrapped up really well, because you know, sometimes stuff, you know, threads and this and that, but it wrapped up really well. And that second, that second to last episode was just like, whoa, that could have been a finale right there. But you know, they gave us a nice finale still, it was just like, whoa. Then I watched the Tatami Galaxy specials, 2010 DVD, three episodes, seven minutes each. These are side stories that have virtually nothing to do with the main branch and if nothing else just gave more screen time to a cast I was completely in love with by this time. I think 
it could also be the first in your watch order if you don't want to jump into 11 episodes of the main branch or even in between episodes to be honest it gives little tastes of the main cast and the kind of antics they get up to thankfully they kept the killer visuals that i'd come to associate with the series it was like they knew they already did everything right and just wanted to have some fun Next was Tatami Time Machine Blues, 2022 ONA, 6 episodes, 17 minutes each. Same main cast, same main character, having the same problems, but it, completely different somehow, like nothing from the main series ever happened or was somewhere in between. Time machines are involved, so who knows man, such is life. This was more on the nose actual time travel as the name implies, as opposed to the original's recursive reminiscive storytelling. The art was a little different than the first two I mentioned, but the direction was still chef's kiss. Getting into the story of how and why they're time traveling in the first place would spoil the wonderful ridiculousness of it all and despite everything, I'm aware ramblings aren't usually well received so I simply highly recommend this. Lastly. Night is Young, Walk On Girl. 2017 movie, 1 hour, 30 minutes. This one is completely, completely different from the rest as though they all balance the vantage points of the main cast really well, this one actually has most of the story coming from the main heroine's perspective, which was really cool to see after all this time. Also, the, again, the art is a little different from the rest, but thankfully still with the utter, utterly beautiful yet playful charm. Uh, I think I'm getting a little repetitive now, and I have other things to get to, so I won't even get to give the synopsis, but just know, as with all the others, it's pretty flames. Source, do trust me. Speaking generally on the series again, I loved how the main character's narration was very like fast and clean cut, almost mechanical, as opposed to how he and really the story were actually very whimsical and unstable. Fair warning, the dialogue could be very cutting emotionally and psychologically, despite that whimsy, which almost always somehow managed to come from left field, but it all just blended so well, especially with the amazing visual direction. Also, absolutely love the main cast, by the way, I just have to put that out there. From just their designs to their individual eccentric odysseys and oddities, odysseys and oddities, man. Easy 10 out of 10. Next watch, next series was Ayakashi, Japanese classic horror, 2006 TV series, 11 episodes. Not a big horror fan in general, but I can't deny enjoying the occasional dash of gore and body horror in my media. I mean, occasional dash, it's like pepper, you just, just a little salt, you know, sprinkle that shit in there. But something about Japanese horror specifically, as in specifically Japanese stuff and specifically their supernatural realm stuff. It's always, been, it's always been very appealing, like the diversity, creativity, and folklore usually present is just so wild. It always makes me wonder, what are the Japanese on? And how long have they been on it? Like, what the heck, man? That being said, this wasn't all that great, 
but it was an anthology of three stories, max of four parts each, so nothing dragged on too long for me to hate anything. On average, the stories themselves weren't bad or anything. Actually, they were pretty solid, they were solid enough. And to the point, but the age in animation showed through in a way that made me feel like I was watching a homemade project or something. I'd... On the other hand, as I'm getting old, you know, older, it did give me a bit of nostalgia for the days of searching through YouTube videos for hours, just to watch one anime episode split into four parts for some reason, just to find out, find out that YouTube only had two. It's just like, good times, man. Also, I thought each story was better than the last, like it got progressively better, and it all ended with an amazing three-parter called Back in Eco, which was just so much more different and so much better than the first two in every sense. It's almost hard to believe it's from the same series. If I'm being honest, even though I really dig Japanese horror in general, I actually mostly watched this just to see that last bit as it actually ended up getting its own series called Mononoke the following year. And I knew they weren't related, but as a completionist, or someone who likes to call themselves a completionist on occasion, I like to complete things, you know? Uh, for those wondering, no, you don't have to watch this series, or even the last part, Bakaniko, to watch and enjoy Mononoke. Now, Mononoke. 2007 TV series. 12 episodes. Technically a spin-off of the previous series, but definitely stands out on its own. Honestly, went into this almost a hate watch for two reasons. One, for the most part, I'm a manga purist, so my hater self was like, screw all these fancy colors, all you need is good old black and white and a good story. Secondly, I'd never actually seen anyone talk about it outside of thirsting for the main character and aesthetic blogs posting the same few clips, so I thought it would have just been eye candy. But just from what I saw in Back and Eco, I knew I was wrong and was actually really excited to get into this. The story here is that the MC is a medicine man. Medicine man in quotes, because we never see this dude sell medicine. And to be, to be honest, to be quite honest, it seems like wherever he goes, people are about to or are already getting their shit rocked. But he calls himself a medicine man. In reality though, what he does is exercise, exercise, you know, exercise, like demons, exercise, exercise supernatural beings called Mononoke. Altogether, the show is split into five multi-part stories, each focusing on a particular Mononoke. Now you might be thinking, oh brother, not more demon slaying. Trust me, man. I get it. I get it. But it's different, in that the Mononoke are said to come into being because of the misfortune of humans. So they really focus more on the solving the mystery of that first creation step for most of the story rather than physically fighting demons. Which does happen, but usually more to the climax of each part. I was expecting to find it getting more and more predictable, with the same general outline for each. MC shows up, Mononoke shows up. Stuff hits the fan. MC saves the day. Different day, different Mononoke. But every story felt so richly unique. Less so because of the obviously different Mononoke and underlying themes, but more so I think 
because of the mix of lengths and pacings, which made it hard for even the general layout I described to feel predictable. The main character was honestly just too brilliant, like, <laughs> I get it. And pretty much everyone in this very shuffle cast, mind you, played their parts pretty well. Also, I said what I said about the eye candy, but the eye candy was there, and it cannot be understated. It, it looked good, it looked amazing, like wow. Loved the horror aspects, of course. More creepy than scary though. And really most of the time, the most horrific things were the sequence of events that caused the Mononoke to come into existence. Also, a movie is supposed to come out this year, so... You know, I think that's that's another reason I wanted to get into all this. I was just like, okay, there's like three things. Like, gotta check out at least one of these. Make my own judgment, you know, whatever. And it's like, I'm pretty excited for the movie. That is gonna be so clean. Hopefully, they handle it well, and it should be so good. Like, even the movie itself is probably anthology, but I don't know. Anyways, last series I watched, this was definitely intentional, was... Yokohama Shopping Log, 1998 OVA, two episodes, 29 minutes each, and its sequel, Yokohama Shopping Log, Quiet Country Cafe, 2002 OVA, two episodes, 32 minutes each. Actually read the manga just about two years ago when I was on a slice of life binge and I really dug the vibe. It was so strangely peaceful. I really wanted to see it in motion. There's no real story to be honest. It's literally just vibes. As it comes from a slice of life sub genre called Iyashikai. Apparently meant to have a healing effect on the audience by showing characters in calming environments living out peaceful lives. There's no real grand happenings, but that's pretty much the point. As analyst user Cookie Master puts it, Finding peace in the mundane, and seeking beauty in the damaged. The setting is one of those very rare post-apocalyptic ones that aren't all sad and hopeless. A little melancholy, but that's just the personal disposition of the MC. Which makes how healing it all is way more wild, like, crazy. The two parts cover different parts of the manga, but you don't really need to see one to see the other. As I said, the plot is minimal and it's more about the setting. They don't cover as much as the manga, but I really enjoyed just hearing the wind and watching it blow over the fields. Watching the waves crash here and there, a lone engine revving up, hitting the abandoned road. And the soundtrack is just so peaceful. If you want to see stuff happen, then this probably isn't for you, but it's a great wind down. The reason I watched it last. If you're trying to get cozy, then this is it. Now, on to movies. First up was Rojin Z. The plot here is that the Ministry of Health has developed a new machine to automatically take care of the elderly who can't do so themselves. Generally, a movie needs conflict, so needless to say, that didn't go quite as well as they planned. This is a Katsuhiro Otomo movie, fairly certain Otomo's most popular or at least his most commonly referenced movie is Akira, but he's also been involved in quite a few other films. I had the pleasure of watching a few anthologies he worked on last year, Robot Carnival, Make You Monogatari, and my personal favorite, Memories. 
these are pretty much stand toe to toe with Akira so I had pretty solid expectations heading into this and they were pretty well met. Solid cast, great aesthetic as I think most anime fans do or usually come to expect from Otomo and also pretty funny. I don't think Otomo's comedy gets enough credit to be honest, like especially for pulling it off in these usually sci-fi end of the world high tension situations. If you check out his anthologies you'll see he can be a pretty funny guy. And though Canada provided a bit of that in Akira, I definitely recommend checking out his other work, Sting Bomb, from the Memories Anthology to really see what I mean. Then I finally watched the last two One Piece movies, Stampede and Red. Stampede was sort of cool because we got to see the worst generation all in one place again, though I don't really care for most of them, so it wasn't that cool to me. Honestly I find it hard to care for them when it's not like the main story or even this movie seems to care either. Cool looking main enemy with a simple mindset and characterization that plays their role. The only thing I didn't really like is this thing where the main bad guy had some connection to Roger or is from that generation. Another movie that did this was One Piece Movie Z. Let me just put out there though that I liked it when they did it in the Strong World movie because the antagonist there, Shiki, was actually canon and one of Roger's greatest rivals besides Whitebeard. So being the first movie post time skip, it really hit to see Luffy go head to head with someone like that. But also because of that, pulling any other character from that era just doesn't make sense to me. Seeing as Luffy beat the golden lion Shiki and has only gotten stronger since then. That being said, I recognize Luffy's win over Shiki was a once in a lifetime asshole. But it's a movie, you know? Cool once in a lifetime stuff is supposed to happen. It's kind of supposed to. It's a movie, you know? It's a spectacle. We're here for the spectacle, not the story. It's a, I mean, the story is cool, yes, and you know, want a good, you know, solid story, solid enough. It's a movie. Let's see that. Unlike his asshole win over a certain Kazakuri, which I'm still salty about forever salty Katakuri should have won he literally stabbed himself in the gut he gave Luffy the winner anyways one thing I really appreciated was Usopp's role in this movie because after spending two years on such island during the time skip being trained by a dude named Heracles he's supposed to be a real you now but in the main series we haven't gotten it all that much thankfully he was for really really here he was really real here. Like all real ones know God who's up to be. Also shout out Warlord turned Yonko genius buggy. Shout out buggy one time. Now Red. Wasn't expecting much from this movie to be honest. If you're a One Piece fan then you know Shanks is the biggest tease in franchise history. So despite all the ads and previews alluding to his supposed involvement, I knew he would show up for like 5 minutes say a few words, and maybe sing his sword one time, which was pretty on the mark, but I didn't expect to love it as much as I did nonetheless. Probably the second most emotional One Piece film after One Piece Movie 6, Baron Omatsuri and the Secret Island. That movie was great. And this movie was it's crazy because Luffy didn't really do that much fighting, which, you know, it's emotional bit, and he just, he didn't even really want to fight. He, he, he had to, you know, except, you know, pirates and 
that's the thing about being a pirate that is underrated and comes out more and more it's about being free and doing what you want to do at least in that world it's not about you know robbing killing destroying places it's about being free making your own choices etc and we say never want to fight which caused a lot of emotional conflict but yeah solid enough movie next was looping the third the first that might be a little hard to follow for folks who don't know the character but his name the main character his name is Arsene he's French it's hard to pronounce Arsene Lupin the third Lupin or something if you're French or pressed or whatever and the movie title is the first so the guy's name is Lupin the third and the title is the first gonna just go with the analyst description here and say the story centers on Lupin teaming up with a woman named Letitia to steal the Bresson diary a treasure that even the first generation Lupin could not steal simple heist plot but it was so cool like the craziest thing is that Lupin just looks kind of dorky like if you look at if you google this guy Lupin and you look at him you're like this guy cannot rob anything he is he can't he just got robbed there's no way but, but he's just so smooth it's crazy and he's not outshined by his gang that's not really a gang all utterly killing their respective roles of sword charm gun and somehow funnily enough the law i had unreasonably high expectations heading into this to be honest firstly because of the crisp animation i'd seen in trailers like even among people who don't watch anime and so they were passing it around like whoa what's this what's this and i was like oh is that looping it was looping i was like man i really need to watch this and i was going to watch it last year but it's like let me not jump right into that the latest one and you know i watch another one so yeah that was the first reason i i, I had high expectations because it just looks sick secondly as i as i said i watched my first looping movie last year the blood spray of gomen ishikawa and i was absolutely just blown out of the water like and I unreasonably expected them to just produce another masterpiece. And thankfully, I was not disappointed in the least. All my expectations were far surpassed. And I'm even more excited to watch the rest of the movies and get into the main series. After that, uh, Millennium Actress. That's a Toshi Khan movie. If his name doesn't ring a bell, his other movies, Perfect Blue and Paprika, usually do for anime fans. And regardless, I'd recommend them. Uh, I think Paprika is most recently known to have inspired a bit of Inception. You know that scene when they're running through the hallway and it's spinning and whatever. Like if you look at Paprika, you'll see that scene in there. And Perfect Blue, I think, is also credited as um, inspiring a bit of Black Swan. But I haven't really seen Black Swan. I've seen the scene they're referencing, but you know, a lot of stuff are just reaches. Even the Inception thing might have been a reach. I don't know, but just putting that out there. The story here is that a documentary filmmaker is interviewing a legendary actress that disappeared at the height of her career. Like most Satoshi films I've seen till this point, it neatly blends the lines between illusion and reality. But this is still the first normal Satoshi Khan movie I've seen until this point. Very touching and ironically down to earth given the intentional blurring of reality by the characters themselves. I definitely preferred this to both Perfect Blue and Paprika. I think mostly because of how whimsical the fantasies of the characters were here, as opposed to the darker, more dissective nature of Perfect Blue and Paprika. I mean, those were pretty solid movies, 
but I guess that's how it usually goes. Like, yeah, what a wicked and ironic comment, bro. Now try saying something true and beautiful. Still solid movies, but yeah. Next, I finally got around to Angel's Egg. This was actually my third attempt in like four years to watch this movie. Still don't know what I watched. Couldn't even give you a real synopsis. Still can't figure out why it seems so highly rated. I definitely get that it's aesthetically pleasing. Yoshitaka Amano, having done the art, popular for doing a lot of the Final Fantasy art. I mean, not the, you know, uh, character designs, but like the box art and stuff. And Google that guy's name if you haven't seen his art. It's phenomenal. Yoshitaka Amano. But there's like 10 lines of dialogue. And sure, there's some cool existential bits, but that's like three out of the 10 lines. Teach their own, man, but I don't know. I don't know. And lastly, but certainly not least, Tokyo Godfathers. I know another Satoshi Kon film. Actually, didn't realize until I started it. Because I saw the post and it was just like, yeah. And the, the summary I was like, yeah, this seems cool. But it's a Christmas movie. So I'd always been wanting to watch it around Christmas time. But I finally was just like, you know what? You know what? I'm going to watch this movie. Because obviously, things just are going. So we watch it. Anyways, I didn't realize it was a Satoshi Kon movie until I started watching it. I was like, wait, is this a Satoshi? Is this a Satoshi movie? And yeah, it was a Satoshi. The plot here is that three homeless folks find an abandoned baby girl on Christmas Eve and try to reunite her with her mother. No fantasy or anything really, just some very real stuff. Teared up a little bit, almost cried, but you know, if I will it, if I will it. Brilliant visual direction as expected, you know, Satoshi, you're gonna like what you see to be honest. But I actually found the sound direction a little odd, I don't know. I don't know. Still, easily became my fave Satoshi Kan movie, like half an hour in, so, yeah. And uh, that's it for Stuff Watch this month. Much love, and thanks if you're still here. I'm gonna ramble a little bit more after this, but the main part of the episode is done now, so, love and peace, safe travels. Greetings again from my roof. Um, <laughs> this is the ramble bit. Well, the, the second ramble bit. Not much to say. Not gonna. Whatever. Anyways, not a, not a fan of anime, despite making a podcast episode about it. It's a manga podcast. I just you know it just makes sense. It's the adaptations, etc. But. The correction would be, okay, correction. I wasn't really a fan of anime until this month. Or I was before, but I dropped off and really just recently rekindled the flame, I guess. I really recognize it for its own value. Every adaptation should be, you know, just look at it for its own thing. And if we're to believe that communication 
happens on lots of different levels, not just, you know, what you say through words, etc., visual, sound, blah, 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 then it's communicating its own thing that I appreciate. And the I, I'd underestimated, understated, or undervalued the, the atmosphere that it builds, you know, that's intentionally gone into it you know you have the sound production sound direction visual blah 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 all these things there's teams there's committees made for these things and anime different has a different level of immersion value than manga does you know i definitely respect manga but definitely gotta respect anime and uh lastly i guess all this stuff might not be for you but you got to find your own media man the way stuff is nowadays stuff being pushed down your throat you gotta really look so uh take that time i guess